Celebrating 30 years on Utah's airwaves, Western Life Radio thanks you for joining us around the campfire and for your ongoing support to Utah's longest-running home, garden, travel, and outdoor adventure program. You can always join us on our online campsite at westernliferadio.com. what's bugging you this summer in your garden, the USU Extension Service Integrated Pest Management Program can help you find solutions. From free fact sheets and books to seminars and updated pest advisories, this website will point you in the right direction. To find these and other free resources, stop at extension.usu.edu forward slash pests. Did you know that Utah's off-highway vehicle and personal watercraft youth education programs required by law are now online at www.stateparks.utah.gov? All youth must carry this certification while operating on Utah's waters or public lands. PWC education is required for youth aged 12 to 17. Discover the magic within Utah State Parks with an annual State Parks Pass. From boating and fishing to hiking, camping, and off-highway vehicle adventures, Utah State Parks offers a wide variety of activities in the great outdoors. An annual State Park Pass opens the gate to year-round adventures at an amazing price. The annual State Park Pass provides day-use access for you and your family for 12 months from day to purchase. In addition, you Utah State Parks opens the gate to cultural and historical parks where you can learn more about Utah's rich heritage. And don't forget to reserve your favorite campsites year-round with options in teepees, yurts, and hammocks in addition to the standard tent and RV options. Visit the trailhead for more information at stateparks.utah.gov. Faster Utah empowers teachers, administrators, and other school staff to defend themselves in case of a school shooting. We teach advanced firearms and trauma first aid skills. Graduates of the Faster program pass the same post-qualification shoot as Utah law enforcement. For more information and find out how you can help, go to FasterUtah.org. Connect with the world through Rise Broadband and stay in touch with all things important to you and your family. Known as the number one fixed wireless internet provider in the United States, Rise Broadband will keep you connected with work, school, shopping, and entertainment. Whether you live in a suburban or rural area, Rise helps keep you and your family connected with the people and things that you value most. Rise Broadband offers flexible packages designed to meet your budget so you can enjoy all your favorite music and movies with fast, reliable, in-home Wi-Fi. Stream your favorite shows, play the hottest games without buffering, and stay in touch with family and friends on Skype. Get more for less with Rise Broadband. To check availability in your area, visit risebroadband.com or call 844-411-RISE. Put on your helmet. Let's go. But, Mom, 
When will I be old enough so I don't have to wear my helmet? When will I become invincible just like you? Sweetie, I'm not invincible. I need my helmet too. Anyone can get hurt, no matter how old they are. Be responsible and set an example when you ride. Accidents do happen. Please remember, nobody is invincible. Summer has officially begun and Sportsman's Warehouse has everything you need for your next outdoor adventure. From hiking to camping to shooting, ready for some fishing? Sportsman's Warehouse has all the rods, reels, baits and nets you need for success. And hunting season will be here before you know it, so bring in your bows for free tune-ups. The best part of all is that at Sportsman's Warehouse, you'll find knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do and they will get you just what you need. Sportsman's Warehouse, take it outside. Play safe, play sober. BUI is boating under the influence. It is illegal to operate a motorboat while under the influence of alcohol. And in Utah, BUI penalties are the same as DUI. It will cost you money and may cost you your life. Play safe, play sober. Visit stateparks.utah.gov. This message brought to you by Utah State Parks Boating Program. Coker joins us at the trailhead with the Utah State OHV program. Thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. It's an honor having you on the program. This is, I think, the first time we've had you on our program, and we're going to be talking about funding opportunities for improvements on the trail throughout the state. Yeah, so today I'll be talking about the Fiscal Incentive Grant. It's also known as FIG for short. So... With this grant, it was established in 2018 through the general legislative session. It was House Bill 143 through the 2018 general session from Representative Noel. So what this did is it actually just moved around funding from OHV registration dollars in the state of Utah. And what it did is it changed where the funding was originally going, which it was going to pretty much Salt Lake County. So it wasn't being distributed throughout the state. And what this grant opportunity does is it now allows people to get into that funding and use it statewide. So over this time period, we've had two full grant cycles. And by grant cycles, I mean fiscal years. This grant is a quarterly grant that we offer every quarter and it can be for federal agencies, political subdivisions of the state, 
and then also off-highway vehicle nonprofit groups that are incorporated in the state of Utah. We have $3.5 million allocated annually, and with that funding, we've funded over 131 grants to date, and so with that, we've put over $2.9 million funded outright back into the state. But over those two years, almost $5 million has gone back into the OHV trail systems or nonprofit groups. So with that funding, it's gone back into the state, and there's a number of different categories that this funding can go towards, whether it be tourism or education, access protection, search and rescue, trail work, And then we also have another category for other uses. So if something doesn't fit that criteria, it can go into pretty much almost like a general overview of what you want to do. There's a lot of different ways this money can go. And again, it's nice to see those dollars come back, to see improvements, to see those trails improve, or whether it be a restroom maybe at a trailhead, or whether it be some other project to make the trail just a little better. Yeah. So we've had a lot of success with this grant. Because there's so many categories and funding opportunities with it, we've had it from everywhere for helping out search and rescue crews, whether or not it be for medical equipment that they can use on a UTV or ATV, or whether it's helping them purchase the machine they need for trail work. Just to talk about some of it, I mean, we're just able to help and then also give back and create positions for people if it's understaffed or underfunded programs throughout the state, if they need help in certain areas, this is what this funding can go towards. We have, even in our OHV program, we have the ability to apply for these grants as well. And something that we've created and that we didn't expect from this is we're in the process of getting potentially up to six OHV trail crew members and coming from such a small program of three people, being able to add six additional helping hands that can go out and do trail work with all different federal agencies or political subdivisions of the state, it just gives back. And with OHVs, it's always hard for people to see where their money's going. And we just want to bring people and bring the idea to them that your money is just not going into someone's pocket. It's going into what you care about and the recreation that you love. And the work is being done. So we've been working with a bunch of different organizations. Something cool that we've been doing is we've been working with people to create virtual trail maps of specific trails. So we've been working with a lot of small communities or small counties in the state and creating maps that will bring people to those locations that are otherwise overlooked. I mean, when you think of Utah, you think of Moab. You think of the Wasatch Front. But we really want to bring people outside of those areas and show them what else there is in the state and the possibilities of it. So this could help out counties like Carbon County, Emory County, Paiute, Wayne County, places that 
are magical destinations, but oftentimes maybe a little elusive to the general public because they don't know where to go or how to get there. Yeah, and that's why it's great. And pretty much what I've seen is a lot more centralized counties are applying for this. It will help people come to learn Utah from a different perspective because the state of Utah just has so much to offer, whether it's mountains or desert or reservoirs and whatnot. But we're trying to help showcase the rest of the state and really bring in whether or not it's tourist dollars or just the education that is required for this type of OHV recreation. And again, this is fairly new funding. This is stuff that hasn't been really tapped into to its fullest capacity yet. It hasn't. And that's something that we are working on because when you think of grants, at least for us, I think that a lot of people think it's overlooked and we're trying to really bring attention to it and make people aware of it so that if they're struggling and whether or not it's creating a parking lot or a trailhead for OHV use or it's working on educating the people in your town or county or even statewide, we're here to help and show that kind of resources available. What's also great about this grant is, to date, we currently do not have a funding cap for how much people can ask. When it first began, we had grants up to $12,500, and then we had an annual grant where they could apply and there was no threshold for how much they could apply for. Well, we've merged the two and created a quarterly grant that doesn't have a funding cap. And another thing that's great, and I say to date because we're new, we're changing, we're evolving as we go, but we don't have a set match requirement. A lot of grants out there require a set match of usually 50-50. For this, we generally get grants from anywhere to 15 to 35% match. But we tell people that if you are in need of funding, we want to be able to assist. And we don't want you to not apply for something because you're lacking the funding side of things. This makes me smile. This is really exciting. This is very empowering, especially for some of the smaller counties that don't have a lot of resources to work with. It really is. And I try to be very helpful and as welcoming as I can be for anyone who's interested in this because I know it's not what they do on their day-to-day life. Applying for a grant, it may seem like a difficult feat, but we try to make it as simple as possible. And if anyone who is applying is struggling or needs assistance, I am here to help as much as I possibly can. And... Because we're learning what this grant is slowly turning into and becoming, we're always up for being critiqued or getting some constructive criticism on how we can simplify it for others who are applying. In general, from start to finish, how long does it take for somebody to fill out the paperwork for this grant? Is it weeks or is it months or is it typically pretty quick? I like to think that it's pretty quick. To date, right now, our application, I believe, is 12 pages long, and three of those pages are instructions than just telling you where to send it and a checklist of what 
we require for an official grant application to be submitted. And also, one of those pages is also just a budget form. So when it really comes down to it, it's maybe eight pages long, and some of it, depending on what category you choose, it could even be less than that. Just because there are some certain questions, we try to get a feel if it's search and rescue or per se. We want to know a little bit more about what it's going back towards and what your past numbers were, stuff like that. But I like to think that it's a very easy application. Also, what's nice is that because it's quarterly, if we run into any issues or if we have questions about it, you can always come back and apply later on. And something that we do offer is that people can send in their application to myself earlier on, and I will review it and go through it and say, hey, I think this needs to be altered, or can you explain a little further on this? Pretty much what I tell people is that you just want to make sure that when you're applying, you're telling the whole story of what it's going to. Just so that the OHV Advisory Council, when they review these items, they just don't want to be left questioning anything. But again, it may sound difficult, but it's really not. And we're here to help, and I am here to help you through the process of it. Especially in a year where we're starting to see more and more rescues and the search and rescue teams being strapped very thin as far as resources. I mean, it can help a lot for safety equipment. It could help for communications equipment. I assume it might be able to cover drones if you're trying to cover a lot of ground and don't have the foot power to cover the ground by foot. I'm assuming there's a lot of different ways you can utilize this money. So as for the drone aspect of it, it's something that we actually have not received a grant for to date because it is so new. But I don't see why not. If it's relating to OHV safety or search and rescue or Again, even if it's trail work or access protection and education, there's just so many different avenues that you could go down with this grant. As for the winter and snow, and I apologize, I should have specified on this, the funding that we receive is coming from OHV registration dollars, but it's for OHVs and not snowmobiles. So currently it is just for... ATVs, UTVs, four-wheel drive vehicles, and motorcycles. We're hoping in the future that that will change and we'll be able to tap into the registration dollars of snowmobile use so that it can also be for winter items. But currently, right now, it is not. I appreciate you clarifying that. That makes sense that at some point it would convert over there because, again, search and rescues, avalanche rescues, certainly are becoming more and more prolific, unless it's a year like this past year when we're not seeing much snow, too, get buried in. I know. It was an upsetting winter this year out in Utah, that was for sure. But, again, what's great is that this grant, even though it doesn't go for snowmobile usage, there's so many other avenues. So whether or not it's building a trailhead or signing a trailhead or delineating paths or making things more accessible, if it's even protecting the land and making sure that these routes that are designated to be open 
stay open. And then something that we've seen is a lot of promotion for small counties and towns and cities is the tourism aspect of it. So that's just a couple. But again, just to give you an example, is something that we had come through, which I found to be very impressive because education is such a major item when it comes to OHVs, is that we're working with a nonprofit group, and what they're doing is they receive funding for the certificate that they could give to the counties that they work with. So they're actually working with six rural Utah County Sheriff Departments, and when they come across an OHV user who is under the age of 18 who isn't wearing a helmet, they can give them that certificate, and then the youth can actually go and stop into a local store. And there's a certain number of people that have agreed to this, and what it'll do is they can go and get a helmet for themselves. So if an issue is for users out there who want their kids to go out and recreate but don't have the means to purchase the proper material or safety equipment, we're giving back to those people by allowing them to not get fined for it. In a lot of places across the U.S., which is straight up fine people, instead we're telling them, hey, we want to help out. Here's our certificate. Go to these specific dealerships, and you can get your child a helmet. So there's a lot of opportunities with it, whether it's purchasing equipment to do trail work or it's building kiosks or it's getting people helping hands or jobs or giving back for volunteer hours that are utilized. Pretty much if it's OHV-related, there's an opportunity with this grant. There's a connection somewhere. You know, I really like that program with the helmets that you were just describing. I mean, instead of turning it into a sour experience, you turn it into a positive educational experience, and then next time they'll be wearing that. And again, you're creating lifelong riders. You're giving them a positive experience, and they'll learn good habits so they can ride many years to come. Yeah, and it's something that I remember when I first saw the application come through, I immediately went to one of my coworkers, and I was like, I think that we should do this. And I'm sure you've spoken with Mike Thomas, but he has the OHV Trail Host Program, and let's say someone were to come across an individual whose child is not wearing a helmet, they could possibly even hand out those certificates. So it's not just happening in these rural locations in Utah. It could happen statewide at that point. Now, I know a lot of these projects probably require little time to coordinate with the partnering agencies. For example, a lot of these rural areas have national partners, whether it be the Forest Service or... BLM or whatever to make sure that they're coordinated on the same page before they can apply for this grant money in order to make things happen. I guess they both got to be on the same page to accomplish what they want to accomplish. They do. They usually do need to, whether or not it is working side by side with them. A lot of the times when you receive an application from a nonprofit, they've already done the legwork for it or they already have that connection, or they've spoken to county commissioners about it. We just try to make sure that no one's toes are being stepped on, but at the same time, we also want people to know that 
the resources are out there and it's not going to cause an issue. It's going to create a better solution for what is already being done. In addition, this funding makes it much easier to expedite projects that may otherwise have to wait years and years and years to find that other funding. Yeah, and so the turnaround funding with this grant is that you can receive 75% of the funding up front. So from submission date to approval date, it's about a six-week window. So receiving partial funding in that six-week window is very impressive, especially compared to other grants that are out there. Usually when you're dealing with a grant, the turnaround time on receiving funding could be even the completion of the project or at least five to six months. So we try to make sure that the grant is for a lot more shovel-ready projects or projects that are ready to go, whether or not they just need an additional little bit of funding or they have this idea and they want to make it happen. What are some of the big success stories you've seen so far? There's actually a lot. And just one to talk about, and I find it to be phenomenal because I actually got to go see it, is something that happened in Garfield County. It was a trail that ultimately was being blocked by an obstruction, so the obstruction was a boulder, and it had been blocked for 10 to 15 years. And without this funding, they never would have been able to reopen the route. And it was so interesting to see it and be able to see it because it is in a rural part of Utah, but at the same time, all they did was they opened it and they made sure not to affect anything else around it. Just made sure to remove the boulder. And by boulder, I mean a boulder the size of a house off a trail. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I was able to see that if you didn't know what it was before, you would have no idea that anything was done because of the way that they did it. They just made sure that nothing was falling off the embankment. They just broke up the rock into these little pieces and if anything, they leveled out the trail a little bit and made sure that the delineation of it was more secure for their riders. And people were able to access an area that they weren't able to for the past 15 years or so. So that's just one thing. But another success story that recently just happened was the purchase of land, actually, I was able to work with a nonprofit group out of Beaver County, and they wanted to purchase this piece of land on Main Street and put a trailhead there that connected to the Paiute Trail. And so just seeing that it's not just for trail work per se, it's also for the creation of new trails is something that is always a nervous thing in Utah. You don't want to lose that ability to access your trails. We've seen access close off, especially where development happens uh, along the Wasatch Front. We've seen that happen over many years with the hiking trails, and it's frustrating. You have a couple favorite stomping grounds, and you lose that access. It sounds to me like there's lots of possibilities where this money can go and how it can be spent. There really is. 
And that's why it's so interesting whenever we have a new grant cycle, because it's always interesting how you see what people have come up with. And being able to go out after the fact and see a completed grant, it could even just be for access protection or our last category, which is other uses. But just seeing what people come up with and how to be able to give back to OHE recreationalists. It's impressive. And we work with a lot of nonprofit groups. So it's just these groups that care about the land and they want to make it not just for themselves. It's not just for the community. It's for everyone. And I think it just allows people to always be either giving back or just seeing parts of Utah that if you're hiking or sometimes just driving a vehicle, whether it's a small vehicle, you get to see the state in other ways that you wouldn't be able to. Well, it's especially nice as we're seeing so much growth here in the state, and especially this past year, we're seeing much more use on the trails. I know people want to spread out a little more, and these opportunities open up. It gives them more possibilities of where they can go, of where they can explore, and find new favorite destinations. Yeah. And that's why the tourism aspect of this is so important, whether it's promoting different trails or just bringing people to small communities that really do thrive on the tourism dollars to help them keep things afloat. All right, then. Let's take a quick break. Be back in a few minutes. We'll continue our discussion with Rachel Toker with the Utah State OHV Grant Program. Stick around. More fun is on the way here on Western Life Radio. your adventure. With 46 state parks and an impressive list of recreational opportunities. Yes, bass fishing at Sand Hall State Park. Visitors might have a hard time choosing what to do each weekend. Woo! Windsurfing at Deer Creek State Park. Choose your adventure. Explore Utah and create memories at Utah State Parks. For campground reservations, ideas for your next adventure, or to purchase an annual pass, stop by stateparks.utah.gov. Warning, bad guys. Utah has school staff members that can shoot as well as law enforcement and save the wounded. FasterUtah.org Summer has officially begun, and Sportsman's Warehouse has everything you need for your next outdoor adventure. From hiking to camping to shooting, ready for some fishing? Sportsman's Warehouse has all the rods, reels, baits, and nets you need for success. And hunting season will be here before you know it, so bring in your bows for free tune-ups. The best part of all is that at Sportsman's Warehouse, you'll find knowledgeable people who are passionate about what they do, and they will get you just what you need. Sportsman's Warehouse. Take it outside. Our region is facing an exceptional drought and the potential for wildfire is high. And agencies around the state are working together to meet the threat. 
Wildfire could strike in your community next. Are you prepared? Plan ahead now by remembering, ready, set, go. Be ready by maintaining 100 feet of defensible space around your home and taking steps to harden your home and make it more fire resistant. Be set by having a wildfire action plan and knowing what important items to take with you in the event of an evacuation. And lastly, go. Evacuate early when a wildfire strikes in your area. We're prepared. We're prepared. We're prepared for wildfire. Are you? Explore the universe from one of Utah's dark sky parks. With more than 14 state park destinations to choose from, your family can gaze at the Milky Way, watch the moon rise, or make a wish during a meteor shower. With the right telescope, you can find nearby planets, tour distant galaxies, or capture the heavens with your own deep space photography. Your adventure begins with a camping reservation and a clear view to the darkened skies. Launch your epic nighttime adventure at stateparks.utah.gov. Put on your helmet, let's go. But mom, when will I be old enough so I don't have to wear my helmet? When will I become invincible just like you? Sweetie, I'm not invincible. I need my helmet too. Anyone can get hurt, no matter how old they are. Be responsible and set an example when you ride. Accidents do happen. Please remember, nobody is invincible. No matter what's bugging you this summer in your garden, the USU Extension Service Integrated Pest Management Program can help you find solutions. From free fact sheets and books to seminars and updated pest advisories, this website will point you in the right direction. To find these and other free resources, stop at extension.usu.edu forward slash pests. You all might think that a day on the lake is all fun and the sun on your bum, but you, my friends, are incorrect. Today we're going to feel the burn together while Roar gets you ready for a safe day on the lake. Not only do life jackets save your lives, but they make you look amazing. Let's get started. This first routine is an important one. You gotta zip it. Gotta zip it. Gotta click it. Zip it. Click it. Look at you, Terry. Oh yeah, guys got it. Fire down the boat. Wave to the boat. Scream for help. What's wrong, Terry? I just I just can't swim good. Oh, that's okay, little buddy. That's what this is for. Oh. Woo! Thanks for my exercise. I think you're ready for a safe day on the lake. Just remember, always wear your life jacket. Now back to Western Life Radio with your host, Brian Brinkerhoff. Welcome back to Western Life Radio. I'm Brian Brinkerhoff, host of this program. We have Rachel Toker joining us with the Utah State OHV Grant Program. Again, lots of opportunities there. When is the next cycle coming to a close? So we actually just closed our past grant cycle on July 15th. The Advisory Council is meeting to go through and recommend these applications. But our next quarter actually opens up September 1st. 
So these applications are open for 45 days, and then after the closing date, which is usually on the 15th of each quarter, from closing date to funding is literally at most usually six weeks. So our advisory council is meeting for something that closed on the 15th, and then final approval will happen, I believe, the first or second week of August. So it just has that turnaround period that allows for this funding to be utilized constantly. This is really nice. So right now is actually a good time to start working on that next cycle. Start filling out paperwork, finding out those answers, doing your homework, and determining how much money you actually need to complete some of these projects. Yeah, and on our website, we actually have a lot of different resources. And again, if there are questions that arise, if people are interested in applying for this, we're willing to help. We're willing to explain certain things to you. I'm willing to go and meet you in person and talk to you about this and present what we have in past projects just to make it easier on people in the communities that are experiencing this firsthand. I assume you submit the application electronically then? Yeah, so currently, and this is changing, we're actually in the process of working with a company on this. Currently, we have a fillable PDF that you can fill out, and then you would just email it to myself. But we're actually working with a grant software management company to make sure that it's all online and that during the process, you can reach out to us to ask questions or we communicate more so online, but it'll also allow you to receive more notifications, know what you're getting into and what to expect from it. So we're just trying to simplify things along the way and make it more versatile for people who want to apply. Do you ask for pictures or videos? Do those elements help with an application? I know a picture is worth a thousand words, a video is worth probably a million words sometimes. Does that help also in the application process? We don't require it, but if you have a specific area that you either want to develop, whether it be creating a trailhead there or working on certain things or signing or putting up new signage, I think it's so beneficial to actually see it. I think it really does create the picture, and for me, it creates the story of really what's taking place. It also allows us to showcase at the end of everything what's been done with the money, because when this went into effect, I think for a long time, people thought that it wasn't going back into the sport, but it really is, and we just want to be able to show others that. This is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, it's very new. I mean, we have a weird way of going about it. We follow the state's fiscal year. So it started really in, I believe it was July of 2018. And so for over those two years, as I said earlier, we've had 131 applications that have been approved and funding has been available to those individuals. And we've just seen a major uptick from the first year to the second year. But again, we just want to make sure that the funding is being utilized 
often that people are aware and it's bringing attention to the funding potential out there. Encourage people to get involved here. If you're a trail rider and you see a need, it's not for individuals, but you can certainly point it to either the county or a local group that enjoys OHV riding, or I'm sure there's a lot of different ways they can connect with someone if they have an idea that they would like to see enhanced through the program here. Yeah, and what's great is we also have those resources on our website. If you know a group out there, I think that's phenomenal, but there's so many groups, OHV user groups in the state. I'm a transplant, and I had no idea I mean, with the 80,000 miles worth of trail in this state, it's crazy to me coming from a location that does not have a lot of public or accessible areas for people. There's a lot of private land, but we just want to make sure that the public land in Utah is being utilized to its full extent, but in the proper, safe way. This is awesome. I have so much respect for you and what you're doing. It's got to feel a little bit like being Santa Claus. It's a gift that keeps on giving, too. Every quarter, there's an opportunity to make things better here. We're looking ahead. We're developing resources. Realistically, a lot of these things have not been done for years and years. I know there's got to be a backlog of opportunities just waiting to go. And they may have not have discovered that this grant is available yet. Yeah. And, like, that's something that we were seeing is that with other grant opportunities, and an example of it is we have a grant that we also offer, but it's a federal grant, so it has quite a few restrictions. But with this grant, there's a lot of leeway with it. And it also doesn't have, to date, a currently funding cap on items. So it really does allow people to complete the work that needs to be done instead of waiting, well, we're going to ask for $100,000 this year and $100,000 this year. You can work on those major projects right off the bat instead of having to wait and plan and allocate funding for it in your budget. So I don't know if I feel like Santa Claus, but I definitely feel like I'm helping out with the OHV community for sure. For people who love the resource, who love writing, it's magical to see something enhanced, to see greater access, to see something bettered so that the family can enjoy this. Again, it's creating a new legacy, a new tradition for family members. You're leaving a legacy with these dollars. This is pretty neat. Yeah. The OHV program is really just trying to make sure that it's going back into the sport and it's not going anywhere else. And it's widely known also. We just want people to know and feel as though when they register their machine, it's going back into the places that you care about and the places that brought you here or bring you back to those locations. It's not just being tossed into a big pit somewhere and disappears into something else that you may not be caring or passionate about. Right, and it's also allowing people to feel like they can continue a sport and feel good about it because it's visibly changing things. Again, if folks want more information, where does the trailhead? Where do they get started for this process? With this, you just head over to our website. So on our website, it is stateparks.utah.gov slash resources slash grants. 
And we also have a number of different grant opportunities as well, not just OHV-related. So this is also on our website. It is the State OHV Fiscal Incentive Grant. And again, it is a quarterly grant. So from our website, there's a ton of different resources, and it breaks it all down for you. And there's a Frequently Asked Questions page. And you can also sign up for our newsletter to receive updates on items and what's been completed and when closing dates are. I think I'm going to sign up for that today. And something that we've recently created is showcasing our past projects. And if you go to see our past projects, you'll just keep scrolling because there's just so many. And we really want to highlight those opportunities and our relationships with those different federal or state entities who have applied for this and even nonprofit groups and just showcase what they've done with the funding. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to sign up today and be part of what you're talking about. Anything else we should share with folks out there? Anything else that we have missed or any other highlights we should share with folks out there? As I said, bringing awareness and just being able to allow people to see what can be done with this grant and how the possibilities are really endless. We certainly encourage those search and rescue teams to get more involved with this grant. They, again, sacrifice. I know a lot of them use their own equipment. They use their own time, their own vehicles. I'm sure there's ways that they can utilize resources here to save them some money and make it a lot easier for them as they try to help those of us that may have been lost or injured on those trails. Yeah, and just making sure that the recreation that's happening out there is safe and bringing that attention to others who may be new to it. We're seeing a huge influx of new people coming out there. This is an opportunity to educate. It's an opportunity to inform. It's an opportunity to promote, letting people know about these opportunities. It's amazing what you're doing. I have nothing but respect for what you're up to there. Thank you. And again, we wouldn't have been able to do this if it was not for the people who really backed this change and who submitted that legislature that would change this into what it is today. Exactly. We want to thank those in the legislative process that made this possible, that made this change. Because you see that with the Forest Service, except for a couple exceptions where access fees just fall into a giant pit somewhere. And you never see any improvements. There are exceptions, like we're seeing on the Mirror Lake Highway or Alpine Loop and some of these other places. But in general, over the years, over the decades, the money just disappears and they're always lean on resources. A lot of these places are being loved to death. Uh, it's nice to have yeah. dollars come back and support this love to make things better so it's not getting worn down and worn out. Yeah, and even just showcasing other areas that are hidden gems when diversifying and spreading out, whether it's tourists or people from Utah recreating. And something that we've recently created is showcasing our past projects. And if you go to see our past projects, You'll just keep scrolling because there's just so many, and we really want to highlight those opportunities and our relationships with those different federal or state entities who have applied for this, and even nonprofit groups, and just showcase what they've done with the funding. I'm going to check that out. I'm going to sign up today and be part of what you're talking about. Anything else we should share with folks out there? Anything else that we have missed or any other highlights we should share with folks out there? 
as I said, bringing awareness and just being able to allow people to see what can be done with this grant and how the possibilities are really endless. We certainly encourage those search and rescue teams to get more involved with this grant. I know a lot of them use their own equipment. They use their own time, their own vehicles. I'm sure there's ways that they can utilize resources here to save them some money and make it a lot easier for them as they try to help those of us that may have been lost or injured on those trails. Yeah, and just making sure that the recreation that's happening out there is safe and bringing that attention to others who may be new to it. We're seeing a huge influx of new people coming out there. This is an opportunity to educate. It's an opportunity to inform. It's an opportunity to promote, letting people know about these opportunities. It's amazing what you're doing. I have nothing but respect for what you're up to there. Thank you. And again, we wouldn't have been able to do this if it was not for the people who really backed this change and who submitted that legislature that would change this into what it is today. Exactly. We want to thank those in the legislative process that made this possible, that made this change. Because you see that with the Forest Service, except for a couple exceptions where access fees just fall into a giant pit somewhere. And you never see any improvements. There are exceptions, like we're seeing on the Mirror Lake Highway or Alpine Loop and some of these other places. But in general, over the years, over the decades, the money just disappears and they're always lean on resources. A lot of these places are being loved to death. Uh, it's nice to have yeah. dollars come back and support this love to make things better so it's not getting worn down and worn out. Yeah, and even just showcasing other areas that are hidden gems when diversifying and spreading out, whether it's tourists or people from Utah recreating. There's not just one place or a couple places that are just being overrun to the point where it's hurting the industry. If we don't take care of our resources, if we don't support the resource, we won't have that resource. Yeah, exactly. Again, that website, where do people go? So it is stateparks.utah.gov slash resources slash grants. You can also just find it on the State Parks website as well under our resources tab. Rachel, you are awesome. I want to thank you for taking time with us. Rachel Toker joining us. She's the State OHV Program Grant Administrator. Thank you for taking time with us. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be able to talk about what I do on a daily basis and showcase what there is out there. We'll bring you back again. We're going to talk more about some of these success stories in the future. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. what's bugging you this summer in your garden, the USU Extension Service Integrated Pest Management Program can help you find solutions. From free fact sheets and books to seminars and updated pest advisories, this website will point you in the right direction. 
To find these and other free resources, stop at extension.usu.edu forward slash pests. Gun-free school zones make for soft targets for those who would do school violence. Utah schools are not soft targets, thanks to the education provided by FasterUtah.org. Connect with the world through Rise Broadband and stay in touch with all things important to you and your family. Known as the number one fixed wireless internet provider in the United States, Rise Broadband will keep you connected with work, school, shopping, and entertainment. Whether you live in a suburban or rural area, Rise helps keep you and your family connected with the people and things that you value most. Rise Broadband offers flexible packages designed to meet your budget so you can enjoy all your favorite music and movies with fast, reliable, in-home Wi-Fi. Stream your favorite shows, play the hottest games without buffering, and stay in touch with family and friends on Skype. Get more for less with Rise Broadband. To check availability in your area, visit risebroadband.com or call 844-411-RISE. Listening to Western Life Radio, a 30-year outdoor and Western lifestyle tradition. Thanks for joining us. May all your days be filled with new adventures. I'm Brian Brinkerhoff.